Amen. Amen. So this is the ninth week in our series, and we're on the breastplate of righteousness. And uh, uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I put new batteries in this, so <laughs> I prepared. Uh, and so we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness in our text. We're just going to really jump into it. Ephesians 6.14. Ephesians 6.14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, which we talked about last week, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness arrayed. And last week we talked, you know, that word stand, uh, uh, actually face to face, stand up right, and uh, the belt of truth. And we said this about that the belt of truth is actually the written word of God. The belt of truth is the written word of God. And so you need to know that Bible that you hold in your hand or, well, for some of you, it's on an app right now and you have the Bible app, but still those words are words of life. Those are powerful. Those words are alive. Hitler tried to destroy it. Stalin tried to eradicate it. Dictators will come and go. They hate the word of God because the word of God is the most powerful thing on earth. The most powerful force on earth is God's word in your heart, in your life, in spoken. Can I get an amen? And so we said this, that is the most important weapon, having that belt of truth on. And I said this, that we cannot absolutely function as Christians without the word of God having an active and central roles in our life. In other words, you are going to fall apart. You could run on some steam for a while. Oh, yeah. You could go for a while and feel, I'm not falling apart. And I don't mean this in a legalistic, condemnation way, judgmental way. How many hear my heart? This is just something that when you know the word of God is life and bread to you, why would you want, not want to spiritually feed on it? So if there's no appetite there, zero. Okay? Zero appetite. No, no interest. Uh, I question your salvation. Or you should question your salvation, not me. Amen, Pastor Mike. Right? Because really, if the seed of the Spirit of God is within you, and you truly are born again, that seed of the Spirit of God in your spirit man or spirit woman will cause you, whether you're like a little turtle that goes slow, like a jackrabbit that feeds, regardless, you will have a hunger for the things of God. You could go for a while, you could run on some of that steam for a little bit, and you can go, but you know, weeks turn into months. Come on, months turn into years. And the next thing you know, you feel totally unraveled, and it starts from little small things, day in and day out. How many with me say amen? And so God's word in our life, uh, immersed in our life, that's what holds us together. Amen. So very quickly, I'm just going to jump in once again. This is uh, going to have to be a couple weeks here, and I'm not trying to drag it out, but I feel this topic is so important, especially in this day and age and what we've been through as a nation um, and, and, and just many people and some of the difficulty that they're facing. The breastplate of righteousness. You know, why is righteousness called a breastplate in the spiritual armor? That's a great question. First, we need to understand something about the Roman soldier, that breastplate Paul had in mind. The breastplate was the most beautiful, watch this, the shiniest and the most glorious piece of weaponry that the Roman soldier possessed. Why? Because the first thing that you noticed when you saw the Roman soldier was that breastplate. 
It wasn't his shoes or even the belt or anything like that. You saw him because it was so shiny. So one Greek expositor says this, this story, and he says that the breastplate began at the top of his neck and went down almost all the way to the knees. And it was a composed of two different pieces of metal. One piece went down the front and the other went down the back. They were held together by solid brass rings on top of the shoulder. Quite often, the larger sheets of metal that covered the front and the back of the man were compromised of smaller, scale-like pieces of metal, similar to the scales of a fish. I want you to get that. Uh, actually, side note, this is one of the heaviest piece, pieces excuse me, of the armor or weaponry that the Roman soldier, he wore. It weighed anywhere from 40 to 75 pounds. But Goliath, let me remember, Goliath, the giant, his, his armor was uh, 125 pounds plus. <laughs> just think of carrying a person on your, that's just a breastplate and how, how big and large he was. So the beauty of the breastplate. So here's the thing. As the Roman soldier, as he began to walk, something beautiful happened. In, with this breastplate, something incredible began to happen. How many of you know that when you have two fine pieces of metal and you rub them together, they're very fine, what happens after a long time, they begin to have a luster. Isn't that right? They begin to shine. So it's like almost polishing two pieces of metal. How many have ever done that? Listen, if you're ever in the military and there was brass, how many of you know what you did with that brass, right? Come on, brass all always down there shining the little stuff, cleaning it up. And that brass would shine. It may be 80 years old, but you could bring that thing back to life, but just a little of that brass all on there, but roughing it up and shining it. How many with me say amen? So brass is a golden color. And when it's out in the sun, how many know that it shines and it sparkles? Now watch this. In other words, watch this. The beauty of the Roman soldier's breastplate was enhanced by using it and walking in it. Did you get that? By using it and walking in it. And when he walked in that, it began to rub. It began to shine. So even though you may have taken that breastplate and thrown it in a room, a dark room even, never use it, it still, how many know, would be beautiful, Right? even though it's sitting in the dark. It's made out of brass, but by walking in it, hear me, and using it, the breastplate became more than beautiful over time. So too, it is with us. Hear me, church. When we learn, somebody shall learn. <laughs> learn to walk in God's righteousness. Our countenance begins to shine. Amen. Well, Pastor, I'd like to see scripture on that. Here you go. The path of the just is what? Is like dust. The righteous is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. That's what God declares over you and I. That's what his righteousness does to you and I. Can you say amen? See, God's righteousness is like a progressive brightness. Uh, scripture uses the metaphor of kind of growth individually and then spiritually. Uh, one of the metaphors when he talks about babes in Christ. How many have ever heard that? All right. And he talks about young men in him, older men, and he talks about fathers. And that's the, the same kind of metaphor. Here's the thing. Every Christian life, watch this, every Christian life should be a life of increase and luster and communion with God. You, oh, come on, somebody. We, we should not look at our lives today and go, Boy, back when then, you know, I remember one time I was in a church and, you know, I got, I was really, I was on fire back then. Well, what happened? 
somewhere the enemy came in and that breastplate was taken off. And it was, oh, come on, somebody. It was put in a room somewhere because of something that may have happened. The enemy uses the wedge, and that, that metal hasn't been rubbing. You haven't been operating it. You haven't been walking in it. How many with me say amen? Listen to me. The most radiant thing on earth is the character of a godly man and the character of a godly woman. Can you say amen? See, the world calls people of genius and intellectual, astute, and, and that, that those are the forces of light. I mean, you listen to some of these guys who are like a talking encyclopedia. They use words we've never heard before from the old, you know, Webster's Dictionary. But, but, but in God's estimate, watch this, God's estimate which is the true one, amen, right? The true one, the one that really matters. How many know God's estimate matters for all of eternity, not even just his life, all right? That, that, God's estimate, what's really bright, he confers righteousness. See, that, that, that's, that's the thing of brightness. That's the most radiant thing. God's righteousness, his character, his nature put upon an individual in their life. That's you and I. Paul continues, Ephesians 6, 14, having put on, having put on the Greek means to clothe, to be clothed in the sense of sinking into a garment. How many of you have ever put something on that was too tight? Don't raise your hand on that. <laughs> Woo, you know, I knew these fit. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, tailors now, they used to be big band then. There's not many tailors now today. Why? You just wear something bigger. <laughs> you know, it gets hard to find a tailor. But, but, you know, I remember one time I did all these triathlons back in 2011 and to 2015. And, and someone gave me a wetsuit. And uh, so, I do, so, so I was doing some open, open, uh, open lake swimming. I mean, you know, it's a short period here in Minnesota, even then. And so he gave it to me, and he's like, yeah, this would be great. I think, I don't know if that thing's going to fit. And he's like, oh, no, yeah, it'll fit. It stretches. Well, I went out to Lake Latoka with it on. <laughs> I think my son was with me. He's a phenomenal swimmer. And so I tried to put it on. I was like, you know, it was like... And, and I went out, and I, I almost got asphyxiated. Like, I was like, son, Zach, come. Because I was like a bobble. You know, you couldn't with the wetsuit, you know. And I, I was so panicky, claustrophobic. He actually had to help me get me out and get out of it, pull it off of me. And, but that's the picture when it talks about putting on that robe of righteousness, something that you slide into, the sinking into a garment. How many see that say Amen. So what does righteousness mean? Webster's defines it as this. Acting or being in accordance with what is just, honorable. Watch this. Ready? Free from guilt. Oh, wow. I'm just let that sit in. See, God's going to do something here this morning in your lives. I believe that. Free from guilt or wrong. Mm. Virtuous, noble, moral, Ethical, I, I love those words, amen. <laughs> uh, righteous in the Greek, actually the Greek word, it's a dikaiosene, which was a big word what, in Greek. What does that mean? It actually means, watch this, divine righteousness. Okay, what does that mean? Its root is this, watch this. It is a judicial term. A verdict, it means. It actually means judicial approval. Or the verdict of approval, or I approve judicially. In the New Testament, it means the approval of God, or watch this, divine approval. If somebody ever come up to you and say, you know, I want you to know that God approves of you. 
that have an impact on your life? Because why, why? We don't operate that. We just think, you know what? He approves of those really spiritual people, you know, the big time people or, you know, or those people. But for me, I just kind of feel like a worm, you know? Come on, somebody. Amen? You know, who, who, who am I? No. God approves of you when you're clothed in his righteousness. Wow. It also means, watch this. This is big. Justification. Another big word in Christianity. What does that mean, Pastor? Watch this. Justification, justification means this. Ready? I'm just going to say it. To pronounce free from guilt or blame. I don't blame you anymore. Some of you blame yourself for a lot of stuff. I don't blame you anymore. I pronounce that you are free from guilt and all shame. Oh, but Pastor, you don't know. We'll get into that in a moment. But you just need to let this sink in. Free from guilt or blame, innocent, holy, just right. See, here's the thing. You may not approve of me, but God does. <laughs> and you need to know that for your own life. Amen? Someone may not approve of you, but God approves of you. <clears throat> and, and here's the thing. If you get anything, get this, what I'm about to say. You do not simply receive the righteousness of God. You are made righteous. And you acquire the nature of God. Oh, I just accepted Jesus in my life and... Yeah I, yeah, I prayed to prayer. Yeah, kind of, yeah, did that, done that, you know, whatever. You don't understand. The spirit of almighty God, the creator of heavens and the earth, took up his piece of his divine nature. However, I don't understand. He's omnipotent and said, I'm going to put that in my son. I'm going to put that in my daughter. I'm going I'm to give of my nature in them. Somebody say amen. Why? How many of you know in our own efforts, we cannot possibly be perfect? I stand in front of all of you. <laughs> Don't think I'm standing in the back of the line. I'm in the front of the line. I recognize that. Cannot possibly be perfect. But our Heavenly Father is perfect. Isn't that right? And did not Jesus said, be perfect? He said that. How can we do that? We cannot. Hence, the breastplate of righteousness. He has given it to us. He is, he is, and there's another big word I'll explain in a moment, imputed his righteousness to us. Oh, what does that mean? Imputed means, watch this, to ascribe or attribute something to someone. In other words, from you and I being an enemy of God, we become a friend of God because of salvation in what Jesus did. So at one time we were enemies. Now we're sons and daughters. And we have his nature. But pastor, I just sinned. I screwed up. I went you have the nature of God within you. And you are righteous in Christ. Somebody say amen. Second Corinthians 5.21 says this. For God made Jesus, who never sinned, amen. It's judicially actually what this means here. To be the offering, judicial offering for our sin. Why? Why did he do that? Why? Why did he willingly go to the cross? So that in him, Christ, watch this we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's God's approval. Right there, right there. That's the word. Romans 5 to 1. So that as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness. When you understand and you walk in that breastplate of righteousness and that, spiritually speaking, fine metal rubs against itself, that's the time when you feel I've messed up, I've screwed up, I've sinned or whatever. Those little metals keep right in and your countenance gets brighter and brighter as they say, Lord, forgive me, I've sinned. And you move on and that's a brighter and brighter. It's not a darker and darker thing that happens to the saints of God. Can I get an amen? 
Amen. Second Peter 1, 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that, watch this, enable you to share his divine nature. There it is again. The divine nature of God is put into your life. See, this is why we don't have to once a year, watch this as Christians, go to some temple somewhere, come on, and some guy with bells, you know, and pomegranates, you know, sacrifices a lamb for your sin after a whole year, you know, and then taking it away. No, he has taken of his divine nature. And really what happens, that word in the Greek, the spirit of God being imparted with us is actually, it actually is a direct reference to the holy of holies. So, oh, yeah, I, some of you went right over your head. What do you mean by that, Pastor? The Holy of Holies. In actuality, the divine nature of God is part of the nature of God that only the priest once a year could go into. Right now, we have multiplicity of Holy of Holies. <laughs> Walking around places where the nature of God dwells in. Someone say amen. amen. See, here's the thing. It is critical for our spiritual growth that we are established in God's righteousness, not in your good deeds. Did you hear that? Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. And what people get caught up with, especially even good-hearted people, is, is works in, in, in the religiosity that, that if I keep doing all these good things, somehow God's going to pile the good scale. And you know, a few bad things, that bad scale don't have much, so the good's going to balance it. You better forget the scales. One sin, one fault, one lie, one loss, one whatever, you're disqualified forever before Christ. <laughs> Amen? But in Christ, you're washed, you're forgiven, and his nature is put into your spirit, man, one. And someone say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> we are established in God's righteousness. The act of believing justifies us. God declares us righteous. So just the act of you saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I surrender my life to him. I give you my life, Lord. Come into my life. Save me. You receive the divine nature of God. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be saved. What? My nature is changed. I couldn't change it. So now you have the ability and the power. Oh, I remember the old Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. That's dated some of you, I know. <laughs> some of you, what? But, 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 but here's the thing. Yeah, the devil made you do it. But see, if any man or woman be in Christ, therefore he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. See, yeah, the devil may be forcing and tempting and pressing and pushing and howling and coming after and chasing you. But as a Christian, you have a new nature. I said, you have a new nature in Christ Jesus, and you have the ability to rise above that. Dad was a drunk. Dad was a womanizer. Mom was this. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You can change that for you, your children's children, in future generations. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Why is righteousness so important? Now watch this. Number one, because sin separates people from God, and God is a holy God. Romans 6.23 talks about that. But you know what? Thanks be to God for 1 John 1, 1.9. It says that, that if we confess our sin, what does it say? What does it say? That he is faithful and just to do what? To forgive us in what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even if we fall, we trip up, we make a mistake, we draw near to God, we say, Lord, we, he still, God views us as righteous. We stumble and fall. See, see, how many heard the statement, sin will take you further than you want to go? 
keep you longer than you want to say, come on somebody, cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. And so we allow that even for Christians in our life and we don't draw near to God and ask the Lord, wash us, cleanse us and have our conscience pure from those things. You know what? That righteous breastplate gets thrown in the closet somewhere and it gets all, you know, skanky or something. I don't know. You know, it's not being used and the enemy comes in and he tries to wear your heart down, get you bitter, get you angry, get you resentful. Come on, somebody at God. Amen? Because you've taken it off. And what, how does that happen is sin conscience. I'm going somewhere. Sin consciousness. See, the, 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 the thing, I, I'll just throw this back in. Anguish, watch this, in grief of your past wrongs, it robs you of the joy of the Lord. I'm a meddle in that right now. The joy of the Lord. The enemy, because you stumble, you fall, you beat yourself up, and you just go, you know what? I, I can't live this Christian life. I keep going back to whatever it is. I can't be free. Hey, listen, when the Bible talks about a stronghold, let me just define what a stronghold is. It's a stronghold. It's not an easy hold. <laughs> it's strong. <laughs> And it takes, sometimes for many of us, not because God's weak and his strength is there, but it takes many of us years to go through breaking free from things. Come on. Being healed from things and delivered. Because the enemy plays for keeps. He scars us. He scars us. And the enemy uses that to condemn you, to judge you, to bring this anguish and grief, and you can't rise above it. You know, I just... I just finished, actually, this morning, this book. Some of you have heard me talking about it. And I don't read a lot of autobiographies, but this one, it just really spoke to me, especially because North Korea is on my heart. That regime is coming down in Jesus' name. And you know what? Someday churches will be built there. And if I'm still alive, we'll be building a church and helping out missionaries in North Korea. So, oh, you crazy, Pastor Mike. Look around here, Russia. So we've been to the places where they killed Christians, but we've built Bible schools. We've preached the gospel, you know, where, uh, you know, places that the communist regimes ruled and they came down and they were collapsed. Amen. <clears throat> but, but she wrote this book, Young Gal, Yomi um, Parks, In Order to Live. It's, I don't even know if you can get it. Every, a lot of people have been, you know, trying to order it online. And this is fascinating a read through her escape from North Korea just as a young girl and the tremendous abuse and human rights issues that were just the hell on earth is, is North Korea. It's so horrible. But she says something in here because I was thinking, okay, where is this redeeming? And there was a time where they escaped and they went through into China and there was a lot of, without spoiling the book, horrible, horrible things that happened to her and her mom. Uh, but they're trying to get to at least South Korea. En route to that, which was a one-hour flight from where they're at, from China, they had to go through the Gobi Desert and uh, in the winter. The thing about the, in Mongolia. And it was actually frigid cold weather, and they're trying to escape, but they meet missionaries, good-hearted South Korean missionaries that were there. And even some Chinese missionaries, they love the Lord. And they, 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 they love the Lord. But they found out, they tried to help them, and they were going to bring them across uh, the, you know, the desert, told them where to go, this house, go to meet, and, and surrender to the authorities there, and they'll send you to South Korea. And uh, uh, so, but the, the missionary there, God bless him, uh, he kind of grilled them. 
and grilled them pretty hard. What did you do? And you need to repent for your sins. And they're like, okay, well, what? You know, they knew nothing. They had no concept of even God. God is Kim Jong-un in North Korea. That, that's who God is. He controls the weather. They believe that in their minds. He controls the sun. And if he's mad, there's a tornado or something. That, 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 that's how they're indoctrinated. And so they had no concept of who God was. And, and so they're confessing, repenting, and he just really hammered them. And I wrote my book, Ugh, Sin Consciousness, <laughs> Judgment. They didn't know that when they repent and they ask forgiveness, God forgives them. And they're washed clean. That's righteousness. How many with me say amen? And so the Satan, he wants to, he wants to, uh, he wants to make you feel dirty, ashamed, and uh, he wants to, he wants to hammer that. He wants to hammer that in your life constantly. Like you can't rise above this because you're just basically dirty, rotten, filthy scum. That, that that's how I listen. He says a lot more worse things than what I'm just saying publicly here to you. Can I get an amen? Because yeah. he's a liar. I said he's a liar. And so what happens is we lose our joy and we lose our strength. How many of you know the scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength in Nehemiah, right? So God's joy, actually, that word strength, I looked it up as maozi. It means this, a place or means of safety, protection, joy. So sometimes we think the joy of the Lord is our strength. What does that mean, strength, like physical strength? No, it means a safe protected place, a place of safety. It actually means like a safe city. You know, when some people say, hey, man, I'm, I'm rich. You know what I think rich is, someone that's rich? You can step out of your house, come on, somebody, and walk the streets of your community unmolested. You're rich. It is not like that in many parts of the world. Many of the nations I travel to, you're always looking over your shoulder. Someone's there. It's just, it's not that way. And even retiring, being in a gated community. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That's not rich. You step out of your house. See, we can do that. We can step out of our house. Hallelujah. Have our coffee. We can walk downtown. Right? Amen. We are rich living up here. You're rich. Some of you that's going right over your head, but that's a fact. It's not like that. It's not like that in the world. And so, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm almost done. You know, if I were to go over all the blunders in my mind, I would invite remorse. I, I, I would be robbing myself. Hear me of God's joy in my life. And especially with my temperament, it's a DCCD. You can figure that out in a dis. I'm very hard on myself. And uh, I, I've experienced the strength of joy. Amen. But the weakness of no joy, how many know the strength of joy is so much better? <laughs> and see, that's what's tied right into righteousness, God's righteousness. Stand with me if you would, please. I cannot afford myself to get robbed of God's joy. Neither can you. Did you hear that? Neither can you. Let yourself get robbed of joy. By, by why? Entertaining past failures and screw-ups. Situations. You entertain that. Like, you know what? Not me. That's, that, that's for someone else. I, how could I, how could, you know, I just going to live my life all by myself. You know, maybe I can find a few friends. Don't let anybody in. Anybody know what's going on in my life? No. The strength of joy is so much better. Can you say amen? How many know that the sin, watch this, of your past, has been lifted away by the blood of Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? 
the blood of Jesus wiped out the sin of your past. I said the blood of Jesus wiped out. Oh, we talk about the blood. It actually it sounds a little strange. We've got to temper everything here today in this culture. It's talking about the sacrifice. It's talking about Jesus willingly going to the cross. Why? Because we serve a holy God. And the only way that we can become holy is him giving us his divine nature. And that's what the breastplate. As we walk in that. Pastor, I stumble, I fall, I screw up, I make mistakes. Next week we're going to talk about that. I feel condemned, feel judged by my own self or sometimes even people know about my situation, what I did, and that hangs over me. We'll talk about that next week. Every head bowed here this morning. God's righteousness was imputed, big word, attributed. What does that mean? It means right now, you as a son or a daughter of God, we can be seen as sinless before Jesus. Wow. Sinless. Oh, but pastor, uh, but, but, but. Sinless. Washed. Cleansed. Forgiven. Wiped clean. All things are passed away. All things become new. I feel the Spirit of God here. I say, I feel Jesus, Christ the healer here this morning. And right now that I can just see wheels turning in people's hearts and minds. And I just want to declare to you that Jesus sees you, not how you see yourself. <laughs> he sees you with that breastplate on. Some of you have taken it off. Some of you have cast it aside and walked away. With every head bowed here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I've, I've just cast it off. I've, I've let... I just let life creep in and I've been so condemned by my own doings. Jesus wants to place that breastplate back on you. <laughs> he wants you to begin to walk and operate in it and to move in it. You're here this morning and say, that's me, Pastor. I, I, I've I've fallen short. I need to get right with God. I really feel that there are people here, and even especially those listening online, but even in this audience, you've fallen away. You've seen, you, even as the question was challenged earlier about spiritually locating where you're at, is you're far off. You're far off. And the Spirit of God is not judging or condemning you. His arms are open wide this morning, and He's saying, I'm going to draw you in. I want you just the way you are. Don't try to think you can fix yourself and all your problems and then get things right. Only Jesus can do that. Wow, wow. That just hit some people pretty hard. Jesus said, I'm, I want you the way you are. But, 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 forget the buts. I want you the way you are. Let me do the work in you. <laughs> Bet you here this morning, pray with me. Say this. Say, say Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I give you my life. Today, I clothe myself with your breastplate of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you. You just deposited your divine nature in the hearts and minds of these people here today. Hallelujah, in Jesus' mighty name, amen.